0: A good Monday to you. It's February 28th and you're dialed into Real Talk. Jesperson here with uh, Hoyles and Brooks. It's going to be another busy week and we've got a lot of ground to cover in uh, just a few minutes time. Uh, an opportunity to speak with former Canadian diplomat, former Canadian immigration minister, of course, longtime conservative uh, politician, a guy who knows what's up. Chris Alexander is going to join us. Uh, as meetings uh, continue this morning, this morning, our time, we're coming to you live at 830 Mountain Time, 1030 Eastern uh, Russia and Ukraine meeting today. We'll get uh, former uh, diplomat Alexander's take on that, as well as Canada's recent announcements, uh, making millions of dollars of of what do you call it? Combat equipment available to Ukrainians, uh, including President Zelensky. What an unbelievable picture of leadership we're seeing there. Uh, these millions of dollars in additional military aid include things like body armor and night vision uh, capabilities and and the like other countries stepping up uh, you see Britain uh, Germany something's happening here that's uh, somewhat remarkable of course Ukraine not a member nation of NATO as most of us I think know by now if you're like me you're locked to coverage of this story that is constantly changing uh, which uh, makes it of course an important one for us to be covering and talking about. And we'll continue that through the course of this week at home uh, down in Calgary through this weekend. Uh, demonstrations continue. Uh, community members and and grieving family members of a 41 year old man by the name of Latjor Tool, who was shot and killed by police officers on February 19th. Uh, we're going to speak to organizers of that rally from the Calgary African Community Collective. And we're going to talk to the executive director from the Dallaire Institute out of Halifax this morning and a former child. Soldier, soldier. An interesting perspective on this story. Keep in mind, it was just back on January 31st that I was talking to a, a Calgary police superintendent, right? Do you remember that interview? That was on January 31st. We were talking about a new initiative, uh, Calgary among those. It was Superintendent Ashif Rashid that was joining me, an and initiative. Calgary among the cities, um, Toronto and, and Red Deer and Edmonton, and there are a whole bunch of others. Uh, they're taking a look at initiatives to keep Police out of mental health related 911 calls, right? People are saying there are better angles of approach for this. There are people with skill sets and life experiences that are better suited to respond to these types of calls. Now, this was a weapons call, and so it's obviously the details here are nuanced, but the irony is not lost on us, the people that put this show out, that it was just 20 days, it was less than three weeks after our conversation with the Calgary Police Service superintendent about mental health calls and 911 and police response that this shooting happened. And so that's something that we're gonna be focusing on as part of today's show. We're gonna launch our question of the week. We're asking you how you feel about Ukraine and Canada's response and and, and the Alberta oil angle on it. And lots to talk about, of course. These conversations happen because we have amazing sponsors like the team at Bitcoin Well. They've been with us from the very beginning and with all this International stuff going on, these stories. I mean, you know, the news cycle's moving so fast. Maybe some of us have already forgotten what we were talking about and really focusing on last week. The prime minister, the federal government invoking the Emergencies Act and the the fiscal implications of that. A lot of people talking about access to money and how money flows and more people talking about cryptocurrency than maybe ever before. If you're seeking clarity, if you have questions, you want straight answers from real people, I recommend Bitcoin Well. You can find them under the sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com.
1: Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: Former Canadian diplomat Chris Alexander in just a few moments Sarah Hoyles the editorial producer of this show of course always keeping an eye on what's making news around the world and Sarah when we talk about uh, the conflict let's use the word invasion the Russian invasion of Ukraine. There have been examples uh, in pop culture, celebrities uh, out of the world of sport over the past few days, uh, people, including some very courageous Russian athletes uh, taking a stand right now and letting their voices be heard. What are some of the key ones you were keeping an eye on? What really stood out to you over the weekend?
2: It's amazing. It seems like it's a groundswell. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people say shut up and dribble (laughs) when people raise concerns about social justice issues and issues just like what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, So right now, uh, it was in Dubai, actually, on Friday when the Russian tennis player, Andrei Roblev, um, wrote, no war, please, on the camera. And it actually, so all the viewers can see it. And this actually just came out.
0: Oh, here it is. Yeah, let's take a look at this video. This is amazing uh after his match. No war please, he writes on the camera lens. I think it's it's amazing to see his face as he writes it, and then the amazing shot from another camera person across the tennis court. There you have it, shooting at that lens. No war please. You think of the risk that this athlete takes by doing this, sir, it's not this isn't this isn't like uh Canada where you can drive into downtown Ottawa and tell the prime minister to go fuck himself with a big flag. Russia's a little bit different.
2: I mean, he's not in Russia, but his family yeah. is. And so, and his friends. And yeah, I mean, anything that goes against what Russia is doing puts you at risk. And we've seen that. I mean, thousands of protesters in Russia who are standing up and saying they don't want this war uh, are being arrested. So we also have other folks like the great one, yeah. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky.
0: Yeah, it says, I think international hockey should say we're not going to let them play, the Russians, in the World Junior Hockey Tournament. Now, some people, of course, are wondering about the Gretzky's ethnicity or that family's background. I, I did a little bit of Googling, and people say it's unclear. Uh, Wayne, number 99, the great one, has gone on record and passed, apparently, and said that his his parents were white Russians from Belarus. Uh, they said that there is actually uh, potentially some Ukrainian heritage to the Gretzky family, though he does not apparently speak Ukrainian. But I thought it was kind of an interesting first person perspective. But but like you noted, um, when when Michael Jordan talks about basketball or when Wayne Gretzky talks about hockey or when, when you know, Jack Nicholas talks about golf, people listen when it's the all time great. That's a big deal to say that Russia should be banned from the world juniors.
2: Yeah, and not only that, we've also got soccer. Poland's men's soccer team refused to play Russia in the upcoming uh, World Cup qualifying match with Sweden and the Czech Republic following suit right after.
0: I think Ranger agrees with absolutely everything you're saying this morning. Or is that Charlie? I think it's Ranger. I think I recognize.
2: I love that you can tell their voices. I That's think I, I,
0: I think I'm getting to know their voices a little bit. Ranger <laughs> is like our live studio audience. He, he vociferously agrees or, or or potentially disagrees with some of our takes. I was wondering about this, and it's it's certainly not what matters most. Um, but uh, you know, things can have significance, like physical objects. Right. I remember a friend of mine gifted me a piece of the Berlin Wall uh that she picked up when she was over there and i've had this it's just a piece of concrete with a little you know there's some spray paint on it a little it's just a tiny little piece uh about the size of an apple but you hold it and you're like this was a piece of something but you hold it it's kind of what do you think that camera lens like sam camera lenses or what i mean those those big ones could be like 50 grand big, uh eng lenses
3: like that probably about 10 10 grand yeah
0: but i i wouldn't think you'd clean off that lens like that that lens to me goes yeah. in a museum somewhere, or it, Stands for something. I wonder what they do with that lens with that writing on it. No war, please. I,
3: I'm curious. Like I think probably they put a filter on the front of the lens, so they probably just take that off and yes. frame that and hold on to it, and then yeah. they can put another one on because I mean that's a it's a real waste
0: of camera lenses. You could put you could put the filter on an old non functioning lens. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nobody would know the yeah. Difference. Just but as a display, that would yeah, be perfect. It's a yeah. powerful image though, and really, uh, really amazing. Uh, Sarah, what else is going on? I mean, I'm, you know, we can talk. I, I mean, I'm keeping an eye even on what's happening here in Canada in the context of of Russia and Russia's information. I see some people talking about making sure that their own security settings are proper on their on their online connections, on their computers, and people seem to be paying more attention to this. Pretty interesting to see some major Canadian carriers, uh, Bell and Rogers, both saying over the weekend as well that they're dropping that Russian, yeah, I mean, do you call it a news source? That Russian RT is getting dropped from Canadian providers. So more and more of these things are happening day by day.
2: Absolutely. But I think just one little tidbit that's just going to be a bee in Putin's bonnet is that he has been pulled as the world judo body's oh. honorary president. Yeah. Putin is out. And that's got to that's got to sting because, you know, he's all about judo. He loves those. He loves... He loves it. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what the moves are exactly. But-
0: I'm, yeah, I'm picturing him on his riding his horse with his shirt off. It has shirt nothing off, to do with exactly. judo. It has nothing to do with judo, but he, he loves all the stuff about the imagery. So that one probably stings. Yeah, Vladimir Putin suspended as honorary president from the World Judo Body. Not a good look for the World Judo Body to keep him on. Can we both agree? Yeah, not a good look at all. Uh, stateside, pretty big moment when it comes to justice. When it comes to the highest court in the land on Friday, the president keeping a promise.
2: Yep. The first black woman nominated to the Supreme Court was announced by Joe Biden on Friday. So if she is confirmed, she will be the very first and she'll be replacing uh, Judge uh, Stephen Breyer. And that will happen in the summer if she is confirmed.
0: Okay. Okay. Good stuff, Sarah. We'll keep an eye on uh, or check back in with you, of course, as you continue to monitor developments. And as mentioned, uh, Russia and Ukraine meeting today. And, and we're going to get uh, Chris Alexander's take on that in just a little bit. We also wanted to, to take some time to to give you a voice and, and a chance to chime in. We ask you for your emails. Uh, and, and oftentimes, of course, over the weekend, you'll get in touch with us. You take some time to talk at RyanJesperson.com and let us know what's going on in your world. Let us know what's going on in your mind. And we've got some great emails today from Shane, and mitch and i'm going to try to get to both of those uh, as long as we have time in the meantime i wanted to tell you uh, this is a really neat opportunity that's coming up how many of you are familiar with nate the northern alberta institute of technology well, if businesses is your thing and you're dreaming big right now uh, maybe you're dreaming of building the next innovative product Uh, Or maybe you're looking to solve a world problem. Uh, What about leading change or growing community or transforming business? Am I speaking your language? Uh, Nate's J.R. Shaw School of Business could be for you. As one of Canada's leading polytechnic business educators, they'll help you harness your inner talent, build your skills, and feed your curiosity. Your future will be brighter because of their immersive style of learning and their deep relationships with industry you have ideas they have experts you can get down to business today with nate's jr shaw school of business at nate.ca slash business also want to tell you about infinity healthcare infinity healthcare is in the business of bringing back customer service to healthcare You know, if you're receiving home care from Alberta Health Services, if you're in the province of Alberta receiving home care, you're not happy about the quality of care that either you or a loved one is receiving, Infinity Healthcare works with AHS to transfer people onto their program for free. This is a way that people are utilizing private health care under the umbrella of public health care to achieve the best outcomes that they possibly can for their family. If you go to our website, ryanjesperson.com, and click on the Sponsors link, you'll find Infinity Healthcare. You can also look at infinity-8, the number 8, dot C-A. On their blog, the top five things to look for when hiring home health care services. This is a great resource at Infinity Healthcare. We'll talk to Chris Alexander, former Canadian diplomat, in just a moment. Wanted to take a second to dive into the mailbag early on this Monday. We want to make a commitment to get to as many of your messages as we can. Uh, This one from Mitch. Mitch says, you know, one of the things that really burns my butt in this country is the asymmetrical political journalism In Canadian print and electronic media, you know that an opening sentence like that's going to grab my attention. He says the important role of the fourth estate is to keep the populace informed so they can hold government responsible and ensure the government does what the people want. And unfortunately, says Mitch, the journalistic ethic of providing unbiased, unbiased, balanced news coverage is widely ignored when it comes to Canadian media news organizations. Says, as an example, I, I look to the coverage of the recent Ottawa occupation, those border blockades that we saw in Alberta, Ontario as well. In the early days after occupiers took over downtown Ottawa, barricaded border crossings, nothing was seen to be done in response and questions were rightly asked about the silence of the prime minister but at the same time the silence and 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 the the lack of presence of premiers in ontario and alberta actually responsible for law enforcement the occupation the barricades under our federal system barely rated a mention for an extended number of days no wonder so many canadians were largely ignorant of how our political system works when the divisions of power central to our federal system are ignored to make the prime minister look bad. Mitch says it was especially distressing for me when Real Talk hosted a panel of three conservative panelists to discuss the Emergencies Act. The prime minister's use of the A is controversial of the EA and should be discussed, but a panel discussion with just one perspective present was nothing more than an advertisement for the partisan conservative point of view. It contributed nothing to the population's understanding of the issue. Real Talk's usually very good about having a balance of perspectives on issues and expecting an audience to be open to hearing opposing views. But unfortunately, the standards of professional journalism dropped with this conservative party advertisement. He says, I'm not advocating for anybody to take it easy on the PM. He should face tough questions to explain and justify the government's policies and actions. Likewise, the opposition also needs to face equally tough questions. Uh, There are government in waiting and they need to face close scrutiny so Canadians can decide if the opposition's ready and capable of governing. It doesn't happen in Canada. And it's past time for opposition to be held accountable to demonstrate readiness to govern if they can. Mitch says, I look forward to real talk getting back on track journalistically, and once again providing balanced perspectives on contentious issues, modeling the standard of journalistic professionalism that real talkers have come to expect. That from Mitch. I don't agree 100% with what Mitch says. I don't agree 100% with his assessment, but I respect all the way his right and his conviction and his initiative in hammering that out and sending it to us and I appreciate it I shared that email as a matter of fact over the weekend with our panelists he's talking about our group chat roundtable that joined me last week this is just a group chat that we have and they're pretty smart people and so I bring them on from time to time there's more than three people in the group chat so the makeup of the roundtable changes from time to time to time but I shared this with the three of them that were on Harman Candola and Catherine O'Neill and Jenny Adams and K.O. Catherine in particular took it. She's like, what are you talking about? She goes, I called out the premiers like, like straight up. I called them out. Like, go back and listen to it. What is it? I don't understand what that means. And then Harmon goes, well, I'm a righty. I'm a conservative apologist since when? I mean, Harmon did run for the progressive conservatives provincially a few moons ago. Uh, but uh, he, he didn't necessarily agree with that assessment either you know what I love I love that Scott is talking and I love that people are intently listening and people actually really care um, and I love that engagement so that's really great Mitch I appreciate your email uh, we're still hanging tight for Chris Alexander right no sign of him right now which means that that out of the gates on this Monday we get to spend a little bit more time assessing what's going on and, and taking a look at the, the news stories of the day and of course Sarah Hoyles the editorial producer of this show uh, behind the scenes I'm sure working furiously to get Chris Alexander Alexander on the line. Does she want to give me one of these? And she she's probably working the phones behind the scenes, Sam, which means that I can continue to go here. She's good to go, Hoyles. Um, hopefully, obviously, Chris Alexander joins us. We do this live, and so if there's, you know, a miscommunication or whatever, that's just the way that it goes. What do we know right now, if anything, with regards to the you know, the, the content or the direction or the purpose of this meeting between Russia and Ukraine? There's obviously, I would imagine, some hope for some form of a, an agreement, whether that's a ceasefire or whether that's seeing Eye, eye on a couple of things i'm not sure that's going to happen i mean you get the sense that putin's pretty intent on on making this thing happen but there's you know if you're paying attention to the consensus opinion on social media over the weekend a lot of people saying i wonder if the russians grossly underestimated ukraine on this one like it's been un- it's been remarkable to watch ukrainians led by their their i mean their their top politician their leader their guy Zelensky. unbelievable he's got a bulletproof vest on right now turned down a ride out turned down a military evac didn't he
2: yeah, yeah, the U.S. said, you know, we can we can evacuate you, keep you safe. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. I need ammunition, not a ride. And, I mean, with in talks of social media, social media is actually one of the places that the warfare is taking place, information warfare. So, you know, Ukraine is putting out um, information, and then Russia is putting out information, and Russia is actually being, you know, tamped down on as far as, where like you mentioned uh what television stations are running their content but also social media they are getting uh well putin is saying they're getting censored uh i think some of the social media sites are saying we're being careful and we're making sure that people are being responsible because there is misinformation and disinformation talking about what has Russia accomplished.
0: Yeah. I mean, you take a look at, uh, isn't it amazing in times of, uh, and this is not really a, a profound statement that I'm making, but in times of conflict or in times of emergency, uh, and that can really be anything, you know, whether that's uh, a war or an invasion or whether that's a, you know, a mass building collapse or an act of God, as they say, a big, you know, a tsunami or what have you, uh, social media really big. And uh, Zelensky uh, over the weekend has has been obviously in his team uh, have been updating people. People of these conversations that are going on, and it's really remarkable. I mean, you know, I've had a conversation with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and he's committed to this. And I've had a you know conversation with the French president or with the German Chancellor, and they've committed to this. Canadians uh rightfully wondering what Canada's role looks like in this massive uh Ukrainian diaspora across Canada, and in particular, I mean, I know that you know everybody's more familiar with their own backyard. Uh, to say the least, I mean, huge Ukrainian populations in our neck of the woods in Alberta, and we're seeing those in rallies of support and demonstrations. What about Canada's deputy prime minister? This was a couple of days old, but I wanted to share this. Um, she's going to be speaking Ukrainian for a portion of this clip, and I know that that will land, and a good portion of our audience will understand it. Uh, but it's just very meaningful. It was a powerful moment where Canada's finance minister and deputy prime minister, Christia Freeland, who's joined us on this show before, uh, had this to say to Canadians, including her fellow Ukrainian Canadians
1: to my own Ukrainian Canadian community let me say this now is the time for us to be strong as we support our friends and family in Ukraine now is the time for us to remember shchnavmadla ukraina i in Russia <foreign language> Я хочу сказать прямо и четко. Наша ссора не с российским народом, а с президентом Путиным и с теми, кто его окружают и поддерживают, С теми, кто сделал кровавый выбор атаковать суверенную демократическую страну.
0: I saw Ukrainian friends of mine, friends with Ukrainian heritage, some of them with uh, family members still in Ukraine, saying we needed to hear that. You know, her, her, her speaking to us, her speaking to Ukrainians around the world, or people that can speak the language, uh, extremely powerful. And then there was Zelensky himself in the streets. Sam, if we can load this up, this is basically like a selfie video. I mean, this is this is uh, really remarkable stuff. And there's a by way of uh, for those that are listening here on the podcast, there is a a translation by way of closed captioning. And so I'll I'll provide it as he speaks. But this is Zelensky over the weekend says our troops are here. Citizens are here. He says all of us are here protecting our independence of our country. And it will continue to be this way glory to Seriously. our defenders <laughs> glory <laughs> to heroes Slavo Ukraine. Slavo. glory to Ukraine surrounded by uh Sarah those are uh senior ministers in his government uh it's quite a thing to see right you picture you know Stephen Harper or Justin Trudeau or Paul Martin with a bulletproof vest on or Joe Biden or Barack Obama or George W Bush Bush with a bulletproof vest on an assault rifle in the street saying, I'm not taking a hell of flight out of here. Uh, I'm staying and fighting with my citizens. It's, it's really wild.
2: It's remarkable. I mean, it, it's basically buoying up all of Ukraine and helping the citizens to stay brave. As we know, uh, men who are 16 up to 60 have been, it's martial law. They have to stay in the country and fight. Um, there have been close to half a million people that have left Ukraine and uh, there's long lines at the border into Poland and other countries that, that folks are trying to get out to safety. There are even some reports that folks are having trouble. Um, there, I've seen some reports around people of color and black people that are having and, uh, you know, uh, foreign students, international students that are not actually able to get into those countries. Yeah. They're not being allowed in. So. Lots of developments. Another development huge is nukes Mm. that um, Putin is saying, yeah, we're we're ready. He's got his his finger hovering over the button, which is terrifying. And the international community is saying that there is that is not something that you do. Yeah,
0: you you, you have to wonder. uh, Yeah. And 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 this is sort of uh, you, you file this under when all hell breaks loose. Right. When when the thumbs start hovering over the nukes and over those buttons and people and these are you know we want to make sure i think and it's especially important on a show like this with a community like this that'll that'll participate in these conversations that we make sure that we're amplifying the most credible voices on this and so i was trying to do some digging over the weekend you know people are asking questions Uh, captain kobe who's going to be joining us on wednesday this guy this social media sensation he's come up out of nowhere um he's a guy and he had a TikTok account, and then all of a sudden he's got like a quarter million followers. He's got 220,000 followers on TikTok. And he's got 30,000 followers on on uh, Twitter, and, and he's at, making all these comments, typically about the Ottawa Convoy, and he's kind of built up this following. But I saw him asking over the weekend. He's just going, I, I don't know a lot about nukes, but it's kind of freaky. It, the reason I bring him up, by the way, he's going to be joining me on the show on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to that conversation, talk about his rise to stardom and his kind of everyman perspective on a lot of things. But he goes, does anybody even know like how far these nukes can travel and like what their capabilities are and what the deal is? And people are chiming in and saying uh, nuclear warfare is is obviously not a type of scenario where, where one nation will launch a nuclear, will deploy a nuclear weapon and, and eviscerate a continent. However, if it, Lands and it's appropriate, hits its appropriate target, the fallout could be major. And there, of course, are implications, but people are saying, well, how well is this missile defense? And what can the Americans do? And when can you intercept these? And what happens with a counter strike? And you have to wonder, as people are expecting, Sarah, today as well, Russia's economy to virtually collapse. A lot of these sanctions coming into play, um, you know, these Russian investors and, and obviously there's going to be huge ripple effects with the Russian economy. People are going uh, with this and the threat of nuclear warfare and everything else. And, and the Russians essentially calling on the international community and this solidarity becoming more and more apparent. What could this look like for Russia, uh, which is probably not the conversation that Putin expected everybody to be having?
2: Yeah. You know, a lot of the conversations are, this is Putin's war. This is not Russia's war. This is not the, this is not Russians' war. This is Putin's and Putin's alone. We are seeing, yeah, the, the the currency in Russia is nosediving. And apparently there are lines outside of ATMs. People are just trying to get their money out um, while it still has some value. It's, it's pretty scary stuff for the folks in Russia, which are basically powerless. They, they, they don't have a say in what happens,
0: it's all Putin. Sam, do you have like a, do you have a, when, when people start talking about invoking nuclear weapons and that sort of a thing, is this the type of, I mean, I know some people are going, oh my gosh, this is it, this is Armageddon. We've we've been warned about this. This is everything going sideways. Other people are saying, well, let's keep our wits about us and keep our perspectives. And the word nuclear takes it to another level, obviously, but they're going, let's, let's kind of keep our wits about us. Where do you land on the whole spectrum of the, what you're seeing around you? I would... I would like to believe that it's still
3: just proverbial chest thumping and muscle flexing and parading nukes through the streets as a way of just reminding the world that we have them and we could (sighs) because Putin doesn't want a nuclear war. Like like, he, he wants territory and he wants power and he wants to cling to Europe, but he doesn't want to destroy everything in his path. Um, and it would create just like horrible, untenable situations for this territory that he's actually trying to do. this. Is like, And there would be retaliation strikes. I mean, everybody knows that the U.S. has probably more nukes than Russia does, too. And, and so, I mean, like, I think that even though Putin is a madman and he is a dictator and he is showing more force and aggression than I think anybody in our lifetime has seen in the world order, um, I, I still, still think this is a bluff but i 'm not sure it's getting scary
0: yeah it's 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 getting weird and uh, to the point where people are going like did did Putin really really kick off i mean an, an invasion of a sovereign country and an, an absolutely one hundred percent unprovoked invasion without really a clear idea of what could happen or what the stakes could be or what it could mean for Russia. I see that Russia's uh, ambassador to the U.N., uh, Vasily Nibentia, is speaking right now saying, you know, talking about response from uh, the Western nations here and what Russia's position is. And this is a story that will continue to follow. Pretty interesting to see, uh, in my mind, the leader, the interim leader of Canada's conservatives, uh, Candace Bergen. This was at a rally over the weekend. And we'll share some of this video with you and some of the audio on the podcast. It, it kind of speaks for itself. You're not going to hear much of what she has to say, but let's roll it, Sam. So obviously, the sound speaks for itself. You're talking about the millions of Canadians standing with people just didn't want to hear it uh, from her. And, Sarah, this is. kind of a when you and I were reviewing this in our production meeting ahead of the show I'm going uh I didn't was there an extended part of the video I didn't watch or did she say something controversial or did she deny that so you're going no that just was persona non grata at that rally that was pretty interesting to see
2: well you know if she's supporting truckers and saying that and I shouldn't say truckers, an occupation of a city, an occupation of Ottawa and, you know, Coot's border and the Ambassador Bridge. She's in support of that. And then she's also going to show up at Ukraine. No, that's not cool. She can't just show up at whatever demonstration, whatever protest and say, yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't bode well for her.
0: Yeah, I. Uh... The whole thing about, uh, you know, you bring up these occupation protests and everything. And I know a lot of people are going like, can we, can we move on from that already? Are we not done with this? Can we move on from that? Over the weekend, we still saw it, right? <laughs> Even like in cities across Canada, including ours, demonstrators are still out talking about freedom and waving the Canadian flags and, and mask mandates are being lifted and vaccine restrictions. The restrictions exemption programs are gone and i'm not really sure someone suggested to me over the weekend privately i said i'm like i'm trying to wrap my mind around what these dumbasses are still out protesting he goes well maybe this is kind of the victory lap part of it i don't know but uh it it takes some real i don't know what it takes uh maybe being dropped on your head several times at a young age uh to be out there protesting and demanding your freedoms as millions of men, 18 to 60, are being told to say goodbye to their fleeing families uh, in another country, forced to stay and fight, forced, although many of them I know are willing to stay and fight and choose to stay and fight and want to, uh, but to be sitting here still grinding and demanding your freedoms, I think, takes an almost an unprecedented level of I mean, when it comes to just being absolutely unable to read the room, um, this, this, this is the type of thing where I, uh, I'm, I, I can't find the words to characterize how I perceive these absolute maroons that continue to honk and make their way through the downtown cores of Canadian cities as we see Ukraine under full invasion right now. It just, it blows my mind.
2: Well, I mean, looking at our guests on Friday during our Conspiracy Theories Roundtable, talking about like that they are getting information and they've fallen down a wormhole and they're getting information from a very different source. So what they're hearing about Russia, what they're hearing about what's happening in Ukraine is completely separate and divided from, well, reality and fact. But um, it plays into this whole narrative. and it, But it also doesn't make sense. They're talking about that, you know, they're living under a tyranny. Canadians are living under tyranny and a dictatorship, and we need to, you know, unseat Dr- Justin Trudeau. Um, but when you look, the juxt- when it's juxtaposed against what's actually happening in Ukraine, that's tyranny against, with uh, with Putin. Yeah, That's dictatorship. That's violence
0: it's almost like the planet earth uh and i don't mean to to take away from the seriousness of this at all i'm not trying to be glib but it's like the it's like the planet like the universe is giving us a real-time social studies lesson like if, if you know these big words that everybody wants to use this is those in action this is what we're seeing right now this is a perspective check for everybody this should be an instructive or informative exercise uh, I've got somebody tagging me on Twitter, and I, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to get in this, but somebody's like, you see this? And I and I see that uh, pre- former President Trump uh, is on the record saying the tyranny we've witnessed in Canada in recent weeks should shock and dismay people all over the world. <laughs> the t- The tyranny we've witnessed in Canada. This is from the guy who called uh, Russia's president Vladimir Putin a genius just a short time ago. So, I mean, it's it's just really remarkable, these mental gymnastics that we're seeing from some people. I saw that some of the real uh, conspiracy theorists, I mean, the people that are really down the rabbit hole. And by the way, if you missed our Real Talk Roundtable on Friday, conspiracy theories, where do they come from? How do they rise? Who do they resonate with and why? A fascinating conversation I encourage you to check that out That was on Friday's show Which would be the uh, What would that be? The 25th of February Make sure you check that show out But apparently the real conspiracy theory now Is that the, 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 uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine Is actually intended to draw attention away From the effectiveness of these blockades And these protests People are saying they're trying to draw attention Away from the fact This was another one I saw That pharmaceutical companies like Moderna Actually got a patent on the coronavirus on COVID-19 three years ago and they actually deployed it but we're trying to cover up the story by having by reporting on Russia invading Ukraine I mean it's just unbelievable to me that we have these conversations happening among us I feel like we shouldn't give them light we shouldn't amplify them on this show and at the same time I feel like if we don't talk about it we're not doing our job you know alberta's premier has spent the entire weekend talking about alberta pipelines you know talking about how america's president joe biden like in a time of war Right. When all the Western nations, I shouldn't even say the Western nations, but certainly the G7 nations, powerful nations around the world are talking about how to assist Ukraine and what a coordinated effort looks like and what an appropriate response from NATO looks like. And, uh, you know, how does this all fit into Ukraine's role outside of NATO? But but how does this and, and Alberta's premiers taken runs at the American president all weekend long talking about Keystone XL, how it's time to build the pipeline, how the American president bent to the left and now he doesn't understand that Keystone XL could provide 800,000 barrels a day of Alberta oil, which is not fueling, and pipelines, 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 the guys going on and on and on. And I saw that my pal Charles Adler was back at it, the titan of talk. You know, Charles responded to Alberta's premier over the weekend. He says, finally, a leader conquering the hearts of democracy-loving people worldwide. His name is Zelensky, the lion of Kiev, Here in Canada, the anti Zelensky, Jason Kenney, a poster child for political shrinkage, exploiting the suffering of Ukrainians with another clumsy sales pitch. It's what it is. Just no sensitivity. You talk about an inability to read the room, trying to get pipelines built over the course of a weekend capitalizing on what ukraine is facing this barrage this assault from the russians unbelievable pretty tough to wrap your mind around that's what you get i want to hear from you on that you can send us an email anytime coming up in just a second we'll turn our attention uh, to a story out of calgary this is a tragic one it's a tough one from a whole bunch of different angles what matters most is a 41 year old man is dead and his family is demanding justice that's coming up in just a second. I want to remind you that now is the time of year. I mean, it's going to be March 1st tomorrow before you know it. The daffodils and tulips are up or could be maybe in a new planter box, maybe a new retaining wall that's going to have some amazing perennial features. Maybe that's how you're envisioning it. Maybe you saw it in a magazine. Maybe you saw it on a movie. You go, I want my outdoor space to look like that. We could do that with that dead zone down the side of the house, you know, that doesn't get a lot of sun, but we could do so much more with it. Maybe that could be the outdoor campfire area or maybe the outdoor kitchen through that side door. Am I describing your space? Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping would love to bring your outdoor space to life and the planning needs to start in the spring. If you want it to happen, you want to be enjoying it in the summer, you can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Speaking of the first of the month, you know what's coming up at Friesen Brothers tomorrow. I try to make sure that it's on your radar every month. It's 15% off on the first day of every month with a minimum $75 purchase at Friesen Brothers from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. the first of the month. That's tomorrow if you're listening to this show the day we put it out that's tuesday at 16 different friesen brothers across the province of alberta 15 percent off is a big deal especially with the cost of living going up who couldn't afford to keep a little bit more in their jeans i know our family could that's why we'll be there tomorrow at friesen brothers and athabasca university wants to remind you that they are canada's online university a world-class accredited post-secondary institution with online programs and courses that offer you most importantly over anything else flexibility to learn at your own pace you can check out all of the amazing resources they have online including the history of their institution news around what's happening at AU and the research initiatives that they've got going you know that Athabasca University is one of Canada's top research institutions learn more today at AthabascaU.ca a conversation coming up in just a second We're going to be taking a look at a story out of Calgary. I'm sure that this has been on your radar. If it's not, let's get you up to speed. And don't blame yourself. How do we stay on top of the news cycle these days? I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, Back on February 19th, this was a tragic story out of the city of Calgary. Police received a call. Uh, There was a man in distress. And he had allegedly said the caller to 911, assaulted somebody in Calgary's Forest Lawn neighborhood with with a wooden stick. They reported that he was carrying a knife uh, just after 3:30. This was on Saturday, February 19th, and and video has circulated on social media. We're not going to be showing you that video today. You can see a 41-year-old man by the name of Ladstor Tool, and he was seen sitting on a sidewalk. Uh, police had responded to the situation they seemed to be engaging him in dialogue from a distance but when he stood up uh, that's when police fired rubber bullets in attempt to disarm him that's what police say Uh, he continued to approach police at which point they deployed a taser and then uh, as the man allegedly attacked a police service dog who police described to be in stable condition after sustaining a stab wound to the neck I'm talking about the police service dog Police say two officers fired their service weapons and the man, uh, 41-year-old Latzor Tool, was pronounced dead on scene shortly after. Now, this has prompted outcry from family members of Mr. Tool, including his daughter, community organizers with the Calgary African Community Collective, and of course, activists from across the country, including from the Dallaire Institute, and we'll be checking in with them in just a moment. Now, this obviously is a tragic situation, and there's probably not one simple or easy answer to preventing tragedies like this happening in past. But before we initiate our panel conversation, we wanted to bring you a comment that was delivered on this show just Three weeks, less than three weeks after that circumstance, that tragedy unfolded in Calgary. This was on January 31st of this year on Real Talk. We were having a roundtable conversation about diverting police response from mental health related 911 calls. And this was is Calgary Police Service Superintendent Ashif Rashid talking about keeping police out of these types of calls. Here's what he had to say.
4: uh, Obviously, a a business uh, position here as well that uh, police are looking to divest themselves of certain types of calls for service where members of the community have told us time and time again, that we are not the best modality of response. So of course, it's only a five month project, Uh, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to retain it uh, beyond and that will come on the heels of a robust evaluation plan that we're doing, enhancing the quality of life for vulnerable Calgarians, a diminished uh, number of calls for service that uh, police officers have to respond to, including mental health uh, and addictions crises. Uh, But also that warm handoff, that continuity of care to ensure that members of our committee are being connected with the right resource at the right time.
0: So 20 days later, Calgary police engaged this man, a former child soldier, uh, by the way, who had immigrated to Canada or had come to Canada as a refugee uh, after. uh, And 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 it's just it's heartbreaking. Right. It's it's tough to sort of have a conversation like this. It's very matter of fact, because there's obviously a, a human element to this that's tragic. Uh, Dr. Charles Odaim Ankra is joining us this morning from the Calgary African Community Collective. It's a black led, not for profit organization focused on advocacy for the inclusion of the African and black Canadians. Uh, this is an organization, by the way, by way of a statement uh, in the past couple of days has officially stated and expressed their utter disgust over the treatment of Mr. Tool by Calgary police before he was fatally shot on February 19th. Dr. Shelley Whitman is joining us today. Uh, Dr. Whitman, the executive director of the DeLair Institute uh, for Children, Peace and Security based out of Halifax's uh, Dalhousie University. Dr. Whitman's worked with police units across the country uh, along these lines, and she's also a member of the National Expert Committee on uh, Counterterrorism. Doctor, uh, or pardon me, John Khan uh, Kile is uh, joining us, and this is uh, John has a remarkable perspective uh, as as a former uh, child soldier himself, uh, who eventually fled to the Netherlands as a refugee. He's a lawyer by training, and he's been working uh, in, with the South Sudanese government. He's the country liaison in South Sudan for the Dallaire Institute uh, to the three of you. I'm so grateful that you've joined us this morning. Dr. Odame Ancra why don't we what, begin with you? This is obviously an ongoing situation in Calgary. We see sustained community protests, the family and other organizations, including yours, demanding justice. What does justice look like in this context right now?
4: Um, thank you very much, Ren. Um, It's been, it's been quite um, a situation where we've had to deal with this unnecessary show of force um, when uh, there is a report involving black people. And uh, we've seen this and we complained about this. And uh, if you look at the situation, um, they received a call that uh, someone was assaulting somebody. It's a hearsay, number one call. You arrive on, on, the, on the scene and, and you actually see the gentleman sitting down, um, not assaulting anybody. To me, that, that alone, it's an opportunity right there to, to 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 engage and when they started engaging and he wasn't responding there should be a clear sign that this person is in mental distress or something really is happening because you did not meet the person in in engaging an active uh assault or active violence or the person was sitting down minding his own business so which is a contradiction to the call you received maybe it is an after fact that he has decided to sit down so I was expecting to see a quick analysis of the situation. And when you reviewed the video, I didn't see, um, how do you call it, uh, an ambulance on site. I didn't see any health professionals on site offering help. What I saw was brute force uh, order obey situation and with canine units. And and then we see uh, rubber bullets being shot at a gentleman, which provoked him. And one thing I want your listeners to pay very close attention to was when a gentleman got up um, to to attack the officers, which was an unfortunate situation, Um, he did not go for any of the officers. There were two officers that were very close to him. He didn't attack the officers. He went straight to the dog. And we need to ask ourselves why. We need to ask that question why. And and this shows a clear disconnect from how the police deal with our community because there is is no uh, perspective to how our community is dealt with when it comes to uh, violence, when it comes to crime, fighting crime, when it comes to engaging the community, they always assume what should work for us. So we are calling for justice to demand accountability from not just the police, but from the government to see real actions. We are tired, we are sick and tired of the political talk. All the time we come on the show, it's all talk, talk, talk. And we don't see any changes. It's our time that we, be, we need to feel these changes in real time.
0: John, in your introduction, I mentioned that you were recruited yourself uh, many years ago as a child soldier. You eventually fled uh, to the Netherlands as a refugee. Now, of course, you're working as a lawyer and as, an, as uh, you know, obviously working uh, to impact significant change here. I've seen it suggested uh, from some people, that the specific use of a police dog uh, in this circumstance could have had a triggering impact on Mister. Tool based on a uh, PTSD or uh, or other contributing factors. Are you able uh, to provide some some? And I want to be responsible here and recognize that 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 I was not there, that we were not there. Uh, but what insight might you have along those lines, specifically relating to the police dog? When the police dog sustained injuries, that's when police force became. Famous. Fatal, correct?
5: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Ron, and uh, thank you all for the opportunity. Uh, what I would uh, want to say, that like you might have been uh, my comrades. We, we we have a lot of uh, different camps where we were uh, recruited and camped to. But uh, what has just happened is unfortunate thing that um, I and Dr. Charlie discussed it maybe nine years ago with the police in Canada. And the fact that I was racing is what I myself know from myself, when you are provoked, you don't react from a point of hunger where a normal person react, but you recollect back because the age that some of us uh, get involved in such uh, aggravating situations is rather very early and we are trying to imitate and 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 and, and walk the life that the other human being the normal one like yourself are walking uh, well and good seeing dog we were not dealing with the dog in our uh past but for sure if a human being is trying to 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 to, to, to encourage a dog to, to assault you you will see the fact that You will react with the protection that you need to get away from the animal, and then come to the human being. And as it was said by my producer, um, the situation is rather complicated. Uh, I can tell you, with the 100% assurance, that you know we are in 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 West, who had a serious life uh, background. And you think you are in a comfort zone where you now can relax, pick up your light. But it turned out that sometimes that calmness trigger a lot of uh, post-traumas. And when you are lonely with the Western world, where you are locked up in the four corners of the world, uh, you tend to be in a different situation. And that has been ever my call, that the police and the government need to know the well-dressed young men that are messing things up in Canada, for example, are not doing it because they wish to. They are doing it because of the past. Hmm. And if the police know, and they are aware of those, I think they would rather react differently. This, having said that also, it wondered me that If I have to make a choice to kill a dog and kill a human being, I wonder whether I would first go for a human being. That's what I can say. Thank you.
0: Incredibly powerful perspective. And I'm so grateful to have your voice as part of this conversation. Uh, Our audience is engaged on this one. Uh, Dr. Whitman, uh, Gilles says at the same time as hundreds of armed blockaders, uh, uh, I got maybe it's not on me to fact check that, but the point there, there, there have been armed people among hundreds of people. Not the point, Jill. I get, I get what you're getting at. He says is the same time as hundreds of armed blockaders are illegally occupying cities and border crossings, multiple officers and a police dog to enforce a single individual experiencing a mental health issue. This is really sad. Meantime, Erica also makes a very fair point. And Erica says, I would love to see more mental health interventions available instead of just sending the police. But what do we do when the subject has weapons? I don't have the answers, says Erica. It's complicated. Shelly.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think in this instance, though, it was a stick.
0: Well, and Um, and a knife. And listen, I'm not coming across on one side here, but he did stab the dog with a knife. He did have a knife.
6: Okay, so in in that perspective, I, I understand that there are some challenges, but guess what for those who are listening, there are ways to train and work with police officers and to sensitize them to different approaches to being able to handle mental health uh, situations and to also understand the communities that they are engaged with in a much uh, better way than we're currently doing it. And I would just say, you know, when we look at the the situation that we're referencing here in Calgary, and Con was referencing that about nine years ago or so, we had a roundtable that we held in Halifax where we were engaging with young people who had been affected by war and now were living in Canada so many issues were coming out about day-to-day challenges for them to integrate that weren't understood by Canadians and I can tell you as someone who works in this issue is a Canadian but has lived on the African continent and works there regularly now. There are just so many issues that we are not attuned to understanding and I don't expect that our police are well attuned to those issues either uh, because of the communities that they grow up in and that they experience so there's there are ways in which we can give better um, training uh, better approaches and there needs to be some leadership also at the top to make some of those uh, adjustments and changes to the way that we not only train but select our police officers too so the recruitment processes who is a part of our, our who are are part of our services, uh, what activities that they also undertake, how they undertake it, how do they respond in situations where uh, there may be a need for a bit of an understanding and dialogue. And if I could reference that one particular workshop that Con was referencing, I can remember that some of those findings, we had shared them at that time with the Calgary police and they had no idea that the young people that were from South Sudan who had been living in Calgary had the experiences that we were relaying. They didn't know that some of them had been recruited at the age of five. They didn't know that some of them had had to kill their own um, family members or, or community members. They didn't know the sexual violence that some of them underwent. So all of these things are really important and I think that There's a cyclical element here that we're not addressing in Canada when we bring people to our country to have the opportunities that we believe that we are giving them. We also have a duty to understand our duty of care and to do a lot better in providing services and assistance and some uh, culturally appropriate dynamics as well um, for us to bring across. On the point of the dog, I also just wanted to say, you know, in Canada, we have a different viewpoint of dogs than most African countries that I have been to, okay? Mm. Um, We treat dogs like they're family members and uh, that an attack on this dog would be akin to attacking a human being. That's not the case in most of the African nations I have been in, and they have uh, different sets of values when it comes to other animals. Like in South Sudan, a cow would be far more important than a dog would ever be, you know? So I think that there are some of those sensitization issues which might seem like minutia that I'm pointing to, but actually if the police officers understood that, they could find better ways to have responses in these difficult situations
0: yeah i you know and there's i'm sure that there's some protocol uh, like i said in earnest and you know we held uh, this round table we had this panel discussion just three weeks before this incident happened talking about some of the ways that police could be diverted out of these types of calls and it prompted really good discussion and, and i understand through the you know the course of this tragedy as it unfolded people will say that police deployed rubber bullets police deployed a taser police deployed a you know and and, and I would imagine that there was probably some order of escalated force that they follow uh, but still what matters most to this young man's family is that, he's now deceased. Uh, that's what matters most to this family. Uh, Dr. O'Day Mankra, you know, you're, I mentioned uh, that your organization, the Calgary African Community Collective, has noted by way of a statement, an absolute and utter disgust uh, for the treatment of Mr. Tool by the Calgary Police Service. Can can you characterize for us or can you take us into what any conversations or advocacy work or attempts to to, to meet with Calgary Police have led to? Has, has there been a conversation? Are you able to speak on behalf of the family? I mean, what can you tell us with regards to on this Monday morning, where this is at. Um,
4: right, um, you saw the peaceful protest over the weekend um downtown Calgary And then um Saturday and um, Friday. Powerful
0: Saturday.
4: stuff. Yeah. And then um we did that on and it was peaceful to honor the peaceful nature of the gentleman. And then on on, on the following day, we went to the scene where he was shot. And he, let me let me just tell listeners that he was shot a few blocks away from the South Sudanese community center. Oh, Okay, so it's a trauma site already. And you just walk across the street, the South Sudanese Center is on 43rd Street, he was shot on 45th. Okay, so two blocks away. And so you can imagine the trauma that people are dealing with. And that is an enclave where we have a lot of South Sudanese. And um, when you you realize the position, the initial position of the police, uh, the reportage depicted him as a criminal Um, and uh, someone aggressive, someone insensitive, hence they had to use force. You know, I've been seeing this over and over and over. The way police respond to black men issues is different from how the police respond to non-black people. It is very obvious. We are not asking for too much. All we are saying is that the way you use empathy, Mm -hmm. duty of care, with the aim to save life as a, as the first interaction with non-blacks, use the same thing when you are dealing with blacks. I, it, it blows my mind the stance in which police officers take. Look, you should see the scene. One gentleman sitting down over five or six police cruisers, 17th Avenue cordoned and blocked off, um, and so he was holding a stick and a knife. And so they knew for sure he didn't have again. They knew. They knew that he had a stick, he had a, he had a he had a knife. And there was no attempt, and I repeat, there was no attempt to show empathy, to 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 reach out to Mr. Um, uh, Mr. LaJo and say, we are here to help you. If you need help, we are here. No, it was a situation of we are ordering you and you need to listen. And they followed the order of escalation from rubber bullets to dogs. Now to federal shooting, when you take this issue to court, of course, the police is going to win because while he has weapons and he attacked us and we shot him, so the law protects us. We are talking about the treatment when they arrived at scene. You see, it's human life. And we need to realize that blacks are human beings. And the way the police respond to black issues is different. And we are not asking too much. We are not asking for any special treatment. All we are asking for is to treat blacks the same way you treat non-blacks. It's as simple as that. Then the second issue that has really rocked the family is Africans respect the dead a lot. If you if you want to disrespect an African family, disrespect their dead, then you are in trouble with them. Okay? You can ask anyone. And they left the gentleman's body on the cold concrete for over six hours after he was shot and killed. That is dehumanizing, that is disrespectful, and the family is demanding an apology from the police, from ASET and from the government, from the manner in which they treated. Even if it is protocol, we believe that Lajo's body could have been given some level of dignity. So the family is really hurting. I know that the Calgary police chief has made contact um, with the family. Um, The mayor of city of Calgary has made contact and, 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 and we want to thank the mayor. It was the mayor's tweet stressing the need for mental health assessment, better techniques for police. That changed the narrative for us because everybody was going, oh, he's a criminal. He was dangerous. He was holding weapons. He was doing this. Where did our empathy go? We have seen police de-escalate non-black situations where people are even holding AK-47s. We've seen it. They know how to do it. So how come it's different that you you, you apply the most aggressive form of uh, aggressive form of confrontation when you have to deal with a black person. So the family is looking for answers. And there are a few things the family also is seeking for right now. Um, I'm, I'm Ryan. The 911 call. We want to know the content of that. Call.
1: Mm.
4: Um, we want to see the stab wounds of, 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 uh, of a PSD Jack. On because the uh, yeah. they do strongly believe that the dog was hit when a stick was not stabbed because oh. there are some videos that showed that the night, he dropped the knife and held the stick with both hands when he charged at the dog. We we cannot ascertain that, but these are his. So the the family really wants to get answers and they want to really know what really happened. And we want ACERT to come clear and give the family closure. The family deserves that. The daughter can has not been sleeping for the since the vigil, 72 hours, she has not been able to sleep. Of course. No girl should go through this trauma. And we are appealing to the entire Canadian community as well that we should show empathy to the family. Mental health issues are complex and complicated. And this is a gentleman who came from a background of violence, war, has PTSD, known PTSD issues, and we have been able to shed light on this. So even if you didn't know the background, we are, the family has provided background to what could be at play here. Where is the empathy of the Canadian public? Where they actually are still valuing the life of the dog? And 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 and, and, and there is a dog, thank you very much for saying that. Yeah, Canadians value dogs, but I do believe that we still value human life than dogs. Where is the empathy of the public? Uh, Ryan, if I show you some of the emails the African coalition has received, it, it, it's disgusting. We should go back to our country. Um, we should be grateful we are in Canada and stop complaining. And these are Canadians sending these messages to us. Their daughter decided to set up a GoFundMe page. People went on the GoFundMe page to attack her to, 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 so that she can give a dignifying barrier to their dad. Like, Where is the public empathy? Where, where is that? We are not seeing that. And we all know how we all rise as a community when somebody falls. In other words, this, this gentleman has it has been a victim of war and we need an empathy from the, the society. We we are not asking too much. We are not asking too much. The family is, is really, really hurting and I want to appeal to the public that if they can't contribute anything, they shouldn't hurt the family more with their comments and, 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 and lack
0: of empathy. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's believable, unfortunately, but yeah. it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I will note that you can Google GoFundMe Latjor Tool T U E L Justice for Latjor Tool is the page. Uh, they set a goal of $70,000 to this point it has exceeded its goal with more than 2,000 donations totaling $83,483 at the time we're speaking I wanted to read and and let me note uh, for the audience the audience will be interested to know we did reach out to the Calgary Police Service offering them an opportunity to participate in this conversation or to have a standalone conversation with me and we'll keep that door open we've not yet received a response from the Calgary Police Service Uh, Calgary's mayor tweeting on February 22nd this was three days after the shooting uh, loss of life and. Our city is tragic at any time, says Mayor Gondek, uh, but the loss of Letter Tool is particularly devastating. Mr. Tool loved by friends and family, a well-known member of Calgary's Sudanese community he was in crisis, and we are left with so many questions while we await an investigation. We question de-escalation methods and use of lethal force. We question why mental health support is not embedded within community policing. We question how to strengthen newcomer support services to deal with complex trauma. That's a big one. She says, I look to Calgary Police Commission to ask difficult questions during public session and to push for policing models that incorporate mental health supports. My thoughts are with Mr. Tools family. My actions will be focused on de-escalation and change. That's Calgary's Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Uh, Con for. For an individual, and and we know that many refugees to Canada will have either experienced the the, the horrific reality of of being called into to, to to war as a child soldier, or they will have witnessed war around them, or witnessed or experienced genocide. People are arriving to Canada fleeing uh, with the clothing on their back and nothing more, and a great deal of emotional baggage, of mental health injuries including PTSD, um, you understand this. Can you help us understand what community supports look like and how a society uh, that endeavors to provide those supports for newcomers, uh, for new Canadians, or Canadians that have, that have been here for many years uh, suffering under these conditions, what does appropriate, effective support look like?
5: Well, Ryan, thank you. Uh, what I can say is that the Canadian community are already supporting the, the people. The issue is that uh, the level of support that is lacking is actually from the government. If I hear well uh, what the public is raising is about the fact that Lajor was weaponized And uh, as it was said by the uh, doctor, you know, even myself here, if I'm fighting with a dog and I have a knife and a stick, the last thing that I will use is a knife because once I have to use a knife, I have to raise my hand and then step the dog. And the closer I am stepping the dog, the more I'm actually availing myself for the dog bite. So the best thing, knowing myself, as strong as I am, and the dog is jumping, is to use a stick. So yet the videos have to be kept. Uh, I just want to depart from the point of blame uh, or not to fall into the line of discrimination and not discrimination and to stick to the fact that communities in Canada uh, are lacking our background. I usually say it while I was in the Netherlands, when I do some debate, I said, you know, Western world has studied a lot, the the, the, the black people in Western Africa and in, uh, how do you call it, and in uh, uh, Southern Africa, plus our brothers in Kenya. And they usually think that we are black, and therefore we are also alike. South Sudan has been a a, a, a locked up country, a region, when British was the colonial of Sudan. So our region has never been exposed to the world. Number two, when the country got independent, we locked up into the war, because in 1955, South Sudan started to fight for its uh, own independence. That also again, brings in the fact that region become unsafe. So a lot of people did not come. That point is missing. And, and they thing when they see South Sudanese reacting this way, it is because of ABCD. It might be of the EFD. So we need to see and approach that the communities in Canada need to give themselves a time and analyze. We are, yes, indeed, we act very aggressive we are very aggressive, and it might have a background of where we are coming from, and uh, the, 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 the conflict we are emerging from. But it also is something that have to do with our traditional upbringings. Once that fight is over, it is over. We don't carry on. Our people are also people of a serious pride. As it was said, you know, you kill somebody, and you protect people not to take that person and collect the body to go and burn. It's another thing altogether. I think these people become very, very, very civilized. If it was here in Dubai, you would have seen a lot of things flying around because you cannot kill a person simply because he has hit a dog. And then now you want to say, no, let it be there. What do you want to do? I thought the police always uh, protect a scene Simply because a person was killed by somebody that is not known. That's why you need to know what has happened. But it's you who shut that person down. And again, you you refuse a family to take the, the, the cops. It is uh, something that is actually, uh, even I am here, when I hear it, it shocked me. Uh, what I can say ahead of Charlie, I just want to say, here I am. I'm offering my myself, even though I'm seriously sick and tired of having to repeat my previous life, my past life, to convince people that there is something behind my life. So please, treat me with a different approach. But if this is what is happening, in order to avoid another in Calgary, I'm saying, here I am. I'm ready to come. And we have a conversation with the police to show them what best can be done and to the Canadian public. Another thing is this, I, 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 I'm a trained soldier, but mine, I don't think that's a professional training. I think it is a rebel thing of just a simple thing done. But yet I still remember there is something called professional uh, professional use of, of force. If I am to shoot because the dog is important, as it was said, I think I would have to use to disable that person instead of killing that person. Hmm. Disabling and I shoot either the arm, I shoot either the legs, and it will not allow the person again to continue acting.
0: Hmm.
5: Now that one was not used. Yeah. Another thing was said. also Ryan will say, when I start learning how to drive in, in, in Netherlands, I get a lesson that said, if we are four in a car and something is passing on my face, I have to make a choice. If I have to run over that thing, whether it is a human being, one person or an animal, or to debate with the possibility that the car will turn and four of us will die. I'd rather run over that one person. Mm. Utility, a utilised approach. I would wonder if indeed how important the dog, how important the dog was all due respect of the life of any living thing again. I am now starting to believe what is said, that the life is categorized into white man is important, followed by a white woman, followed by a black man, and then a black woman, and then animal. It is changing. So animal come first. That is unfortunate. And uh,
0: again, here I am. I think, surely we have a lot of work to do, and we have to do it. Thank you. I really appreciate that perspective. I will not. I've interviewed many police officers over the years and people always have questions. I'm not an apologist. I'm simply passing this along. If there was a law enforcement voice on this panel, I will tell you they would say no officer is ever trained to try to shoot a gun out of someone's hand or to try to shoot somebody in the kneecap like out of the movies. They shoot for the mass. They shoot for the center of the target if a police officer deploys their service weapon they're shooting with deadly force that's just how it goes uh i'm not saying that's the way it should be uh dr whitman in your introduction i mentioned that you're a member of the national expert committee on countering radicalization to violence um and and what an amazing answer from con we asked him about, about resources and supports and what does that look like in, a, in an understanding and empathetic and progressive and evidence-based society how does it respond to or welcome newcomers including those living with mental health injuries living with ptsd living with trauma based on lived experience in your professional opinion in closing what does that need to look like
6: so i think One of the things that is really important is that when people immigrate or they come as refugees to our country, we also have to be willing to be changing that system. That's the first thing. You know, you're not even allowed to put down that you've had military experience. If you are to come to this country, you'll be told that you won't be allowed to come here if you put that on your um, application. And that means that children who have been, um, you know, forcefully engaged, um, illegally engaged, but through no fault of their own, they can't even put that down. And then they don't even want to talk about it because if they've been told that it's illegal for them to do that before they come here, then when they come here, they're silent about it because why would I tell anyone? And then for fear of me getting kicked out of this country. so. Without that, though, we can't even collate the data to understand how significant this is, and then to make different types of approaches in terms of our responses and our social welfare systems. Then you go from there, and you've got, you know, families um, who put children in schools, and they go into these schools, and I'll tell you with the Syrian refugee crisis as a different example, I can remember going to teachers as I was bringing um, some families here to this country, going to teachers and saying, what if the school board, and this is here in Nova Scotia, what if the school board told you about how you're going to handle some of these children coming from these war zones? You know what they said? They had a letter from the head of the school board, which said, you are getting these many children who are coming from Syria. Good luck. And that is what I'm saying about the not thinking through all of these dynamics. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, social workers and psychologists who have no idea about the context that people are coming from. Uh, Khan knows that we've worked with former child soldiers who would say to me, um, I'm not going to go to a social worker or a psychologist because it's like I have to teach them world history. And, and they don't even know anything about the place that I come from. And so therefore, like, what, what service are they providing to me? So there's such a huge amount of sensitization that has to happen. And there are so many ways we could do it. And it wouldn't be rocket science to make it happen, but we just have to have the political will and imperative to do it. And I'm sure communities like uh, the doctor's community, uh, the African community in Calgary would even be willing to be people who would volunteer their time to educate social workers and, and others on these processes, but we don't make it a priority. And I, and I echo their sentiments in terms of, um, you know, unfortunately, these things keep perpetuating more division in our society at a time when we need to come together a lot more collectively as human beings and and to find ways to to achieve greater dialogue on these, these elements for our children. Um, we're at a real critical time in our country right now, and we need to find ways to come together and not divide.
0: That's Dr. Shelley Whitman, executive director of the Dallaire Institute, uh, based out of Dalhousie University in Halifax. You can check out Dallaire dot org for more on that. That's where uh, John Conquille is uh, the South Sudan liaison. Uh, also a former child soldier and of course Dr. Uh, Charles O'Dame Ankrad joining us with the Calgary African Community Collective. Uh, If you're listening to this on the podcast uh, Sarah I noticed has put the GoFundMe link in our live chat on YouTube and we can tweet that out as well and of course we'll continue this conversation the door remains open for a voice uh, from the Calgary Police Service. I'm hoping to reconnect with Superintendent Ashif Rashid who I spoke with just three weeks before this happened uh, our our interview on January 31st the shooting on the February uh, 19th of February. Thank you to the three of you for this i know it's an extremely difficult conversation it's an incredibly important one uh and and charles in particular your work with this family uh please do pass along our most sincere condolences and we appreciate uh the work that you are doing and the team at the calgary african community collective in in southern alberta we appreciate all of you thank you Thank you to the Real Talkers uh, participating in this. I see a lot of comments. Uh, Linda Ray says, for example, uh, I've had so many students. uh, Sounds like Linda Ray's a teacher. She says, I've had so many students who experienced war as children in Sierra Leone, Somalia, Syria, uh, the former Yugoslavia, Albania, Lebanon. She says, in my experience, school districts have tried to be aware and have tried to offer supports any way they can. Erica circles back. I read her comment from her earlier. She says, this fantastic discussion is much needed, but... The question still remains when a person in the midst of a mental health challenge is carrying weapons, who should respond to that? And I think that conversation needs to continue. And, and I and I would refer you, if you didn't hear our January 19th roundtable, I encourage you to check that, or, pardon me, January 31st roundtable, uh, including Calgary Police Superintendent Ashif Rashid. Uh, there was a voice out of Red Deer and a voice out of Toronto uh, as well. And it was a good conversation. We did take on that conversation. And, and I don't think that we can have a uh, sort of a, a, a naive perspective on this. We're like, let's just send a couple people to sort of help and de-escalate. I do think that's important. Perhaps uh, groups like a a, a social service in particular, trained mental health counselors, crisis counselors, uh, perhaps people with a background working in in high stakes uh, negotiations, uh, what have you, with specific training uh, to recognize signs of of mental illness or mental health challenges, people with specific training in de-escalating without force perhaps alongside or supported by police officers in situations where weapons are present. I don't know exactly how that works, but these that's the point of these pilot projects. That's the whole point of our roundtable on January 31st was to try to figure out a way that does not endanger Uh, people that would be coming into work as in a de-escalation context that does not put police in a situation where they are ill-equipped to deal with it. And of course, that protects the health and the well-being and the life of humans that are experiencing these mental health challenges. We welcome your thoughts as we do anytime. I mean, the last time we had that uh, that, that roundtable on on police and, and uh, you know, keeping uh, police officers out of mental health related 911 calls. What did we get? We got an email. I think it was a tweet started with a tweet, became an email from a gal by the name of Amber who came on the show. Amber Cannon, right? She came on the show and she talked about her own personal journey, uh, having police respond to calls about her well-being related to her mental health. Some of those 911 calls she told us prompted by her. It was a powerful interview. So I think that was the day after would that had been right around the beginning of February that she was on the show. You'll find it in our YouTube archives, our podcast archives. She says, I have called. She talked to me. She told us on the record. I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I've I've called police with the intent of dying by suicide by police. In other words, I have, uh, I have attempted to essentially goad police officers into shooting me, and they didn't, said Amber. If you missed that interview, you have to watch it. It was very powerful stuff. I'm so appreciative of this. As someone who sits in the host chair here, I do not take for granted, Real Talkers, that you show up for these tough conversations. And you can email us anytime. I know that we're going to get some responses to this, and we value those very much. Our friends at Park Power want to remind you that they are your friendly local utilities provider province-wide i told you about my buddy down in calgary he goes oh, man our power bill i guess i gotta figure something out here i go well park power man he goes yeah but i'm done no it's across the province internet electricity natural gas they bundle rates together you want to get maybe all three internet electricity natural gas you're going to save money on the administration side plus you can lock in fixed pricing is looking pretty good right now as utility rates are soaring out of control you know what else is great you go to parkpower.ca switch over to them use the promo code 2022 dash real talk 70 off your first bill with park power and then there's dairy queen the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton. I said, what do you want us talking about for the next while? They go, well, our new burger menu is what everybody's buzzing about in the stores in Palisades, Nemo, Newcastle, Westmount, and then Baseline Road in Sherwood Park. You've got the Bacon Two Cheese Deluxe. That's the Signature Stack Burger collection. What about the Flamethrower Signature Stack Burger? The Loaded Steakhouse? That one's so good. The Mushroom Cheeseburger Signature Stack Burger, the Two Cheese Deluxe, and of course, DQ's OG. The Original Cheeseburger Signature Stack Burger, we recommend you pick them up at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. How about our friends, formerly at Local Waste, now rebranded, beautifully done as Local Environmental Services. You can find them online at localenvironmental.ca This slick rebrand was rolled out as they've grown their footprint across central and northern Alberta, keeping it local with water hauling and portable toilets and fencing and recycling and garbage collection. You need a front-loading bin. You need a roll-off bin. You need it temporarily. You need it permanently. They do it all. You can request a quote today via localenvironmental.ca. And don't forget about Trash Talk coming up on Friday, presented by Local Environmental was out this weekend in the dodge ram the crew cab longhorn that i've been driving of course i've got some real talk vinyl stickers on the back you can get those under the merch page on our website ryanjesperson.com a guy comes up to me in the parking lot he goes so this is the longhorn i go yeah yeah this is the longhorn i mean good thing i'd run it through a car wash a few minutes before so it was looking pretty darn good with those roll down running boards and of course that beautifully wood veneer steering wheel that heated steering wheel i'm obsessed with and he's kind of taking a look inside the cab here and he's going oh boy he goes there's a lot of room in here i go i told ya He goes, you know, if they have any Longhorns at Sherwood or St. Albert Dodge, I go, well, the good news is, pal, you can browse their selection online or you can go see them in person. We had a good laugh. Always love meeting real talkers out in real life. You'll find the best selection in the province of Dodge Rams, including that 1500 TRX. with That Hellcat motor in there. If you're looking for 700 horsepower, that's the one. And then a great Jeep lineup as well. at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Before we sign off for the day, we've got a couple of uh, things to cover. And of course, you know, it's our first day of the broadcast week, so we're going to bring you positive reflections. But as we continue our coverage of what's happening in Ukraine, it's important to us that we know where you, our audience, is at. And we're doing that this week by way of our question of the week, which is presented by our friends at Y Station. You go to our homepage at RyanJesperson.com, you click on connect, and then question of the week, and there it is. Uh, Russia has launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine attacking major cities and, of course, arresting the world's attention. And this week, we want to know what you think about the world's reaction and how you think the conflict will proceed. We will explore different angles of this story in the days and weeks and probably months to come. And a big part of that will be fueled by your response. I invite you to take two minutes today and to give us your thoughts to chime in on our get real question of the week presented by our friends at Y Station. Now, before we go, of course, you know, each and every week, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, and you can get your quote online for solar today at kubienergy.ca, give us a reason to focus on the positives, to find the silver linings, to restore our faith in humanity, or to fill our buckets. It's a feature presented by Kubi Energy that we call Positive Reflections. And I love this one from Ginny. Ginny says, I was going to write into the show anyway about what I wanted to tell you about. And then I realized it's it's a positive reflection in a way, Ryan. So here it is. She says, I'm a huge hypocrite. In fact, I think almost all of us are. I'm not trying to name call, but, but what else would you call us when it comes to the amount of plastic that we use? Ginny says, I'm appalled at how much waste we create, plastic waste in particular, but I've got to be one of the worst offenders. She says, I know. I know that we're polluting our oceans and our landfills, and it, it seems like we're polluting everywhere else too. And, and yet I, and we continued to create demand for plastic. She says, I look at my own habits, it's all around me. But what caught my eye today and what prompted this email is an Ipsos survey that shows that three quarters of people on the planet want single use plastics banned. People can Google the attitude towards single use plastic survey by Ipsos, it includes two thirds of Canadians and more than half of Americans. Ginny says, I'm sure we're a long way from making this happen in sweeping fashion, but I think it's something worth talking about on Real Talk, Ryan, and planning for and ultimately aspiring toward She says, our beautiful planet is well worth it. That from Ginny. Ginny, I love that. And you're right. The attitudes are changing. We see them in some cities, single-use plastic bag bans and things like that. But how about this? The Ipsos survey shows that of people polled, 75%, more than 75% of people on the planet want those single-use plastics banned. And then there was this, and I appreciate the real talker that passed this along This was really incredible. This is by a Finnish academic. He's a professor of English at the University of Eastern Finland by the name of Jopi Nyman. And he said yesterday, I was asked to translate the famous poem of Ukraina. It was written in 1917 by the major Finnish poet, Aino Laino, says, here is my attempt. Translated, I greet you, Ukraine. I greet you, Ukraine. Let your glory tower As a cry of next morning's light, may a lightning of your love and power demand and make your country free from blight. Brave Ukraine, do not stumble today. Once will come your nation's dawn. Calm, strong, repel your enemies away, or if need be, fire with brawn. Beautiful Ukraine, salt of nations, you have the flag and we the road. Sharing your storm are Finns and Poles. Also Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania in your toe. Forward Ukraine, you are not a slave. If you just hope and will that way, can you hear the choir big and full of grace like the sea of nations fading away? New Ukraine, charming, handsome, broad, gleam the mouths of your streams into liberty's bloom come. Mordva, Georgia, Perm and others Time is for Russia's tribes to ascend Break the shackles of Tsar's darkness Shine Ukraine Your bow bend Light the road for democratic prowess That translated by Yopi Nyman With the eyes of the world on Ukraine Our positive reflection for this week presented by Kubi Energy. You can submit yours anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, along those lines, we'll ask McLean's contributing editor, Scott Gilmore, what he thinks effective sanctions might look like and what Canada's response should continue to emulate We'll keep that conversation going. We know you will, too. In the meantime, Real Talkers, if today's show will resonate with somebody that you know, make sure you share the link, like what we're doing, subscribe to our channels, and we'll see you right here tomorrow on Real Talk.
1: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles, technical producer, Sam Brooks, managing director, Josh Dunford, account coordinator, Tanya Franklin, merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers, Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duveti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Metis settlements and the Metis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.